Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Every Plant Story podcast, the podcast where we show and share all of our plant stories, um, both in the lives of us at Gabriella Plants, as well as our customers and other parts of the plant community. We have a really special guest today, but before we get there, just want to introduce myself. My name's Shane. I'm the owner and president of Gabriella Plants, and with me today on the podcast is Sam. Hey, hey. Operations manager for our growing location, as well as Zach, our media uh, director here at Gabriella Plants. Hello, hello. And Sam, with this being podcast episode number three, um, obviously we're going to have our special guest soon. Uh, we tend to do a couple housekeeping announcements right. at the beginning. It's good to have you back, obviously. Yeah. Like we talked about last podcast, you had um, been out the first two weeks of the year, especially mm -hmm. after we... You know, it happened right. to correspond with the first two weeks of us being multi-location and right. a lot of, um, really a lot of things changing. I mean, we're always oh, yeah. changing, always adapting, you know, yeah. in a very fast way. Always, But yeah. I feel like it, it never hits you the same as when you're out for two weeks and, and you come back. So how was that? Now that you have a full week under your belt, how was that experience? Well, first, first of all, coming back here, I think I said it on the last podcast, that was a big mind blower from just orientation to two weeks after that. This whole place was completely, you got it branded out. You yeah, got the speaking walls of the, yeah. Speaking of getting the, our offices at Aloma all right. painted and, exactly. and visually looking right. Even the studio that we're in now right. is just uh, a huge much closer than, night and day from yeah and and then like you're saying we're all we're always improving so there's always more steps and it, especially at the greenhouse with brett and and courtney i've been killing it over there leading the team um mm -hmm. tons of new benches uh some oh, of the yeah. old benches that we've had problems with forever well, yeah, finally and, getting repaired and, and some people may not know but you remember um when my dad ran the commercial wholesale business out of the same nursery that i you know we took over um, he grew a lot of Boston fern hanging baskets, oh, yeah. um, somewhere in the tune of 6,000 or so baskets every year. That being said, the back, what full third of well, our greenhouse, yeah. of what we have in covered greenhouse space, like didn't even have a bench in it. Right. It was all ferns top it, and bottom. Yeah. It was just double two two layers. Um, and that the reason why there was never benches underneath it for those listening was because there really wasn't a whole lot of light that was left right. to be you know, to grow plants underneath it. Once you have two big layers of big old ferns there. Right. We started planting, you start the process, you start what planting ferns in the fall. September. I mean, it's then, way early. So then by like, you know, March, April, those 10 inch Boston ferns at the top are so big, you know what I yeah, mean? Their like, wingspan prevents any light. It gets light. so big, you know, sometimes they'll get to the point that the, even the ferns underneath them aren't getting light. So it's crazy to see, front to back benches now mm -hmm. coming from mm -hmm. that. I'm sure we could find a photo somewhere of, oh, yeah. of before oh, yeah. and now. This is why I can't wait for the live the live show oh, for the yeah. podcast too, because I think it will just, even with our guest today and our guest last week too, um, plenty of those, think, plenty of things about plants are improved and enhanced by having a visual aid. Definitely. Um, and Definitely. being able to share that. So that that is coming soon um, to you guys, the listeners. Um, also, we will be... Um, changing a few things uh just housekeeping uh at gabriella the main thing that will be changing or be rolled out this wednesday in our weekly newsletter email is the fact that we will be um focusing our attention on executing our traditional wednesday night inventory update which has been that way since the very very beginning right. um and instead of having kind of unplanned and unannounced 
updates over the weekend, um, which was also a very difficult operational challenge for our inventory team and even the greenhouse team because um, as we grow, the more we can plan and, and st stage out and strategize what we do, um, the more efficient we are. And, and right. ultimately what that means to customers is the more plants we can grow and, and ship out if we right. can do it more effectively. So uh, for at least uh, the rest of Q1, we're going to be uh, attempting to do some published mini updates. And there is a special link to be able to sign up for the email notifications of those um, extra inventory updates. And they won't be completely unannounced. Um, we will use that list to let people know to a couple hours before right. the the drop of when that drop is going to happen. So stay tuned for that. If you're interested in future Gabriella inventory, you may want to go find that link. Um, it will be on the homepage of the website on Wednesday. If not, you can go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash GP mini updates, all lowercase. And that should take you directly to the signup form to get those notifications. Uh, that was my main housekeeping item other than that i'm i'm just so incredibly proud of the entire team um also proud of this big interview we got to do oh, today yeah. with tyler thrasher and uh sam you have anything else uh no the only other greenhouse note just for to give people a peek behind the scenes uh okay, talking, to, right. talking to brett a little bit this morning uh, with all those bench updates in mind, he said, you know, January, his first month, uh, with Gabriella was really just a, you know, uh, an organization type thing. Move. Yeah. Get your bearings straight. You right. Know. And he, he did let me know that we're now entering what he called the, the month of propagation. So a lot of new stuff coming on the greenhouse front, which is yeah. really exciting. Oh yeah. He's got lots and lots of things in the world. Lots works. of plans. So, um, actually we're headed back there. Um, after this pod. Right, so pretty soon. Um, but before then, we do want you guys to take a listen to the Tyler Thrasher interview. Honestly, probably one of my favorite, like just interactions with members. I, you know, I always love getting to interact with mm -hmm. the, with the members of our plant community, right. but Tyler has always just been an incredible resource an incredible piece of wisdom. Right. Um, and just an all around great guy. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy this interview with him. Alrighty, and now our interview with Tyler Thrasher. You may know him, a wonderful part of our plant community. Um, all kinds, I'm really excited, Sam, to dig into yeah, totally. um, what all he is into, because I feel like it's, um, there's got to be a way to connect it all, but right. I feel like he's just got so many different talents. It's such a vast range. Even just looking at his site you sent me earlier. That's what I'm saying. That's like the guy's qualified to do just right. about anything. So Serious renaissance artist style going on. You got a hand in everything. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, I don't even know how to describe him, but uh, welcome to the, the show, Tyler <laughs> Thrasher, guys. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing, Tyler? Great. I'm, I'm great, honestly. I've been following you guys for a hot minute. You guys are killing it, so I'm very excited to be here. Um, and I don't even know how to introduce myself. I, I, I struggle with that when people ask me, what do I do? Um, I usually just say whatever the hell I want. So uh, I do a lot of different things, but yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And hopefully we'll you know get to, uh, get to dive into a few of those things. Uh, but off the bat, one of the reasons that I, uh, well... I don't use the word fell in love. That makes me feel awkward, but uh, fell in love with your work is, uh, is because in the midst of, you know, everything that 2020 was, 
you seem to be not only a, a, a voice of reason and, and logic in that sense, but also somebody who actively wanted to um, do what they could uh, to help the plant community in, in several different ways throughout the year. And, you know, as Gabriella Plants, we've tried to support that. A lot of us wear the, the Propagate Goodness shirts around the greenhouse and stuff. Uh, and of course, our whole staff has uh, a copy of your, your journal as well. Um, I'm just curious at the start, you know, I want to dive into what got you interested, but at the start, what, um, how has 2020 been and what, what, what were your favorite parts or, um, yeah, just describe it from your perspective. So my favorite part of 2020 is that it is no longer 2020. Uh, there. Yeah, Um, we can all agree on that one for sure. (laughs) But you always seem to have like, one of the things I was telling Sam, like before the podcast was like, you always have a really good way of, I never have seen you in what you say publicly go week on week, like allowing yourself to to slip or to get like too depressed and you're an encouragement to the people who were getting too trapped, especially when we're all at home, you know, there's all, it's really easy. And obviously as growers of plants, you know, we think plants serve a big part of giving you something bigger to care about, but you just always seem to have a very level headed, um, approach to things. What, what kept you grounded? So if I'm going to be a thousand percent honest, it's always hard, uh, kind of detailing life on social media. Um, I really struggled uh, last year. And I would say, like for a lot of people, 2020 was um, one of the darkest years uh, of my life for several reasons besides the pandemic. You know, I had a lot of personal things going on that also matched up with the pandemic. Um, But one of the things that kept me level-headed was the fact that there were so many people that kind of believed in uh, perseverance and believed in that optimism and the the human ability to prevail. So, you know, like while we had the George Floyd murder and all the protests and just pretty much every flavor, you know, bullcrap you can imagine, there was still this, this horde of humans that believed that we will make it through. And so when I would do fundraisers, it blew my mind. Like, like I had more sales and more volume last year from my fundraisers than ever before. And to me, that was reassuring. And it showed me that, wow, thousands and thousands and thousands of people at least believe in my tiny message. Um, and they want to amplify me, which gave me this sense of duty that I've never had, especially in the art world. And that that's what really shifted my perspective was, oh, wow. Okay. You have what, like 10,000 people bought my race from Heckscher. I was like, there's at least 10,000 people that believe in your ability to um, use my voice, like for me to use my voice uh, Mm. responsibly. And to me, that was like reassurance. Like people believe in you, so you better show up. And that sort of duty, I think, warped, or not warped, but shifted how I do art and how I share my work. Um, So that's what kind of kept me level-headed was, I'm not alone in at least believing we are capable of making it through this and fighting for a a better planet and a better world and society. Yeah, and I think that that's maybe I I set that whole question up wrong because that we didn't we didn't coordinate this interview ahead of time, uh, but like that was exactly what I was backing into because I felt like you 
you were the person, I guess, making 2021 the best it could be. Right. Um, I, I mean, I think all of us did that <laughs> in different ways, but it was very obvious by those ways that you, you know, selflessly served and raised right. money for other things um, and wasn't for your, you know, you were not profiting on that in the middle right. of it, but we're doing it at a, you know, a genuine desire to help. And to be honest, it was encouraging to me. And I, I know I brought it up to Sam once or twice too. I'm right. just like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's got it right. Like, right. I was yeah, going to say, can, you like know. you, like you said with, uh, you know, it's encouraging to find all those people, you know, that, that donated and stuff like that. Like you said, Tyler, but I think it's cool to see people like you who have the platform using that, like Shane's saying to like, okay, let's use my voice and my platform to mm -hmm. encourage others and raise others up. And I, that was kind of the cool part for me, like, uh, going back to the propagate goodness shirt, which like Shane said, I see those on the daily at the, at the greenhouse. Like that was just such a cool for me first peek into like kind of this plant community that is really rallied around that message in, in 2020 of just like, we're in this together. Let's work as a as a community to build a better. Yeah, and world, there's always you know? going to be a few people that are out, you know outliers. But right. w what would you say? Mm. Do you have any special stories of of maybe a, a particular person that you heard about? What you know? Because I feel also kind of going off what Sam said, and then I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think part of the cool thing, maybe to, a better way of putting it, is you were able to organize the collective goodness right. of a lot more than yourself um which is like a cool thing whether or not that ends in like a donation to a good cause or not like just the fact that you're linking up with so many people and trying to get them all in that same wavelength mm -hmm. were there people that you saw like particular stories or anything like that of the kind of transformation or the the encouragement you were able right. to be in those moments um I mean, yeah, there was so much, um, you know, uh, all of last year was such a blur. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, what, one of the things I had noticed was as I was sh sort of sharing my message that, yes, I, I have a dark approach to life, like a dark, humorous approach to life. And, and I, I kind of believe in cautious optimism. And so while I was sharing this message of this is what's possible, this is what we can do, together, um, I was also not, not going to shy away from a lot of my depression I was fighting. And I think one of the things I had noticed more than anything was people opened up about where they were in life and being honest with their mental health. And I would say one of the most optimistic things I had seen from last year, um, whether my voice was contributed to this idea or not, was that people were opening up about their mental health and people were feeling less alone and less isolated during the a period of isolation. Um, and when you see that sort of community and people rallying together over something that is you know, arbitrarily taboo, like talking about mental health, it, caught, it it makes for a lot of good growth and change. So yeah, I was seeing a lot of people um, talking openly about therapy, talking about what they're doing to survive during this pandemic, during all the protests, and all the darkness. Um, and I think that's what got a lot of people through. I think just as much as the donations and raising money for causes, it was making this environment where people could open up about how they're doing, even if it's dark and scary, just being able to say that and accepted and hearing other people say that, I think makes it a lot easier to handle those 
sorts of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So I, what I was seeing was a, a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of emotions need to, whether said out loud, they need to be worked through with somebody. Right. And when you start to, you know, especially heart goes out, obviously I'm married, but heart goes out to like, you know, if you were a college kid locked down in a dorm and you really don't have anyone else to, right. you know, not, yeah, your personal development in a lot of ways is probably stunted just because you don't mm-hmm. have that ability to to get it right. out in the open or to, to share that. So it's it's cool that you got to do that. Now, Tyler, we I, I, I have a, we could do this for hours upon hours, but we want to respect your time too. <laughs> I, I only really met you um, when somebody tagged you in a, in a variegated plant we had that was kind of a fluke at the time, um, which, spoiler alert, had, didn't really work out from propagating, but that's sometimes what you, what you get with kind of crazy mutations. Yeah. But it was only because of somebody tagging me to you and you to me that we linked up. And one of the questions I had when I first looked at your website, and then obviously when we looked at your website today for like show prep and stuff, like when did you, when did you start both with like art and with, you know, kind of your more houseplant interest? And is there a reason those two crossed over or, or how did that evolve? Because it seems like obviously you're fairly experienced in both by this point. Yeah. So um, in terms of plants, I grew up around plants. My dad uh, is a landscaper. He was a nursery owner. Uh, so I have countless fond memories of being, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years old. Same. I know those feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Every weekend, my dad would be at the nurseries. He he was the manager of a a wholesale nursery called Riverbend Nursery. And it was, you know, this huge plot of land with hoop houses, dozens of hoop houses, and this huge creek that they pumped their water out of that was spring fed. And uh, I remember just like playing hide and go seek behind the hanging baskets, the geraniums, the uh, pansies. I remember all of it, the smell of fertilizer and tarp on the hoop floor, like all all these fond, very detailed memories. So I grew up around plants and they've always been in my life. My dad did wonderful things to the to our gardens at our house and landscaping. And we were in home and garden tours. I remember being in our in the house and like watching lines of people come parading through the gardens and, and looking at my dad's hard, hard, beautiful work. And I would run out lemonade and cookies to, to the guests <laughs> and everything. And, uh, and so plants have always had a part in my life. Uh, they come and go. And in college, you know, I didn't have too many plants until I fell into the world of succulents. And you started seeing all these crazy succulents at nurseries because they were really in, uh, you know, and so I would see all these new shapes and forms and colors. And I was like, oh, my God, this is nothing like the geraniums and the palms and the ferns I was used to seeing. And so I fell in love with the succulents. And then from there, I was just like, oh, my God, I haven't been in the plant world as an adult. And there's countless plants. And there's countless, there's like endless intrigue and curiosity. Um, and that curiosity led me toward what I'm doing now, which is making cultivars and hybridizing. And I'm, I've got to thinking, could I make my own plant? you know, in this sort of artistic, uh, creative way. Um, so plants have always been around. Art, on the other hand, uh, same thing. My dad, growing up, he would, I would sit at the table with him and he would draw my mom uh, flowers with like those big, uh, you know, big old Crayola markers. And I would watch him draw these really intricate, like very 
beautiful flowers like really quick and so that got me into art and then in high school I would doodle and I had an art teacher that saw me doodling in the hallway and, and she came up to me and was like, no matter what, you're taking my class next year. And I was like, what? I don't want to do this. And she was like, no, 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 no. You have a talent. You are taking my class next year. She signed me up. Like that's I didn't really have a choice. I'm not sure and, that that's not how the, and, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that that's how like the education system is supposed to work. Like, I don't know if uh, can teachers go around and claim students they want? Like, no, I pick you and I pick you. You're, you're good at this. Yeah, you're, you're coming good, to my class. You're good at this. That, not, not to sidetrack, but it does remind me of my funniest story in college only because it relates to art, which is, I will never forget this, the like day my art teacher for Art 101 hands out the syllabus, you know, so it's just a syllabus day. Most of the class is left. And she's like, I'll answer any questions you have. And one of the kids, you know, raises his hand and asks, you know, so what made you want to teach art? And uh, she was a, a Russian lady and she said, oh, I, me, I did not want to teach art. I wanted to teach math. Russia told me I was going to teach art and uh, that's why I'm teaching art. And I was like, whoa, that wow. is nuts. Um, but like that, it, it is true though that like d you, you get a better teacher when you're passionate about what you're teaching, right? for sure. So identifying the talent yeah. ahead of time right. is important. Definitely. Yeah, it's cool that no, they, they sorry, saw I that. Didn't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Tyler. I was... Uh... No, you're good. Uh, but that's like, you know, for me, that meant the world. You know, I didn't... I never... When I, growing up, I didn't have hardly any encouragement at all. Um, uh, anything. It was usually just me, like, on my own in the wild, wild west. And, and so to have an art teacher, to have an instructor see me doodling, which was something I did as like a coping mechanism to have someone see me in the middle of that sort of healing coping process, uh, stop me and say, wow, you're good. I want you in my class. That was the first time, the literal first time I had received any encouragement from a teacher, from a, an adult in my life. And so that meant the world. And that alone just like, struck me. I was, I didn't know what to think or say. And I ended up taking a class uh, just because I didn't know what else to do. And she cultivated this, what was a coping mechanism, turned it into a full fledged passion and uh, hobby. And that completely changed the trajectory of my life. And that is, you know, that's a, that is what teachers are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And to me, that mm -hmm. was a killer A plus bomb teacher move is what, what my teacher for Brown did in that moment. That's awesome. Now, just because you brought up doodling um, and obviously a lot of even your art on the website and some of the other designs and things you throw around, it's very clear that obviously you've cultivated that quite a bit. Um, is that same doodling habit an influence on your plant journal? And do you want to share more about the reasons we, we shared those plant journals with everyone in our staff. Um, and, you know, at the time I kind of told them that the main reason I wanted them to see it is that growth, especially when we're all so busy and, you know, what we do every week and day changes so much, but that's really no more, no less than most people, right? Um, you still got to go to work, but mm -hmm. it's always going to be a little bit different. And a lot of times you just don't see the growth that's occurring around you unless you're willing to take those like kind of intentional snapshots right. so that you can go back and look at them later and say, Oh wow, no, 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 that was four weeks ago. And it, right. and it looked like that at the time. So is that same doodling 
in, in the inspiration for the Planet Journal? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're right. It's important to recognize growth. And when you're growing plants, it's really that growth is obviously key factor in growing plants. And so what I always found interesting is like low process of growth where sometimes you don't really recognize how a plant's doing until, you know, months later. And you go, wow, this really grew. Where I was thinking it would be beneficial to the grower if they could log that and go back and see a timeline and even the parts in the plant journal where you can sketch or I've seen people just paste Polaroids into their uh, plant entries in their journal. Um, yeah, that's a, I th- think it's important to recognize the growth and see it. And not only that, but have notes because that's where the real learning comes from is as you take notes during the growth process. And then you can go back and read about the things you wrote and the things you observed over, mm-hmm. say, a two-year period. Um, and that documentation of growth and change and your documentation of it is what really I think solidifies your understanding of a plant. So my thought was, yes, I would love to have sort of this time capsule for people and their plants. And not only that, but when they look back, because all those notes they took during those different periods, it's all valuable information. Uh, When they look back, they will have tangible proof that their note taking uh, was worth something. And once you kind of get that gratification, then I think that it locks in, in, in the human brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I, I really like it. And just to clarify, uh, the, the book and the journal is called Grow a Dam. Uh, I referred to it as the plant journal just because there's so many different things um, that you do. Where can people find that if they were interested in picking up one of those? Because it's something that I would, I've, I've, I've recommended before on live streams. I don't think on the podcast specifically, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think that I, I hadn't even thought about it in the sense of notes though, Sam. Right. I mean, that that probably is a very helpful thing to look back at even not so much. Maybe I, in this sense, Tyler, you taught me something today because you know, uh, maybe because I'm a visual learner. Yeah. To me, the, the sketch or the photo over time fills in a lot of, you know, the written notes in my mind. But I think what, you know, Tyler's saying, and it's, it's a good point is that even your um, moment of fear at the time that you made that particular you know, log right. or whatever, those things that wouldn't be communicated in the photo or in the sketch mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. be just as helpful, Definitely. you know, to your personal growth. Right. That's a, that's exactly what I was going to say is it's cool to see in this plant journal and then just in the plant community at large and, and kind of some of the stuff you're, you've been talking about, Tyler, is that there is this like kind of like they go hand in hand of the, the plant growth, the personal growth, um, and then kind of like you're saying with the taking notes and watching the plant grow over time, you're able to go back and see those landmarks that if it's a slow growing plant or whatever the process is that mm-hmm. you're getting through, if you do that and you have those landmarks to look back, like you said, you can look over your shoulder and go, oh, four weeks ago I was mm-hmm. there. This is the progress that I've made or my plants made. And it lets you celebrate yourself in that Definitely in that celebrate way. those wins. And, right? you know, because especially going back to kind of 10 minutes ago, Tyler, with, with people locked at home, yeah, a lot of those, maybe even what was going to get written in their journal, the Grow a Damn book, um, you know, maybe what was going to get written would have just come up in casual conversation at a local plant shop. Right. Had they been able to walk into a mom and pop or, you know, right. to brick and mortar and have the community that maybe they 
had experienced Steven in the same industry before. So I, I couldn't have imagined a better timing. But when you came out with that, Tyler, there was a pretty overwhelming amount of support. I mean, from 24 hours in, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I have this idea and I think it's on one of my greenhouse rants episodes. Um, also, I I'm not. I don't appreciate about. you stealing my podcast name. I'm just kidding. But like when I, that was like the first week that I when I looked at like because uh, somebody tagged me in one of your live episodes, right? Or when you when you first mentioned us, and I was like, "Dang it! I w- I would have never thought of that." But that is the best <laughs> name for a podcast that has to do with a bunch of people who dwell in a greenhouse. Right. Like that is the name. But continue. Yeah. Uh, well, sitting there, and I was mentioning. Uh, like how I, I'm making all these hybrids. I was like, man, I just really need a journal because I write on sticky notes and on seat packets and stuff. And I was like, there's got to be a journal. So I did a lot of Googling. There's some gardening journals and I, I'm kind of a butthole, but a lot of them are really tacky. Like a lot of them are really <laughs> kitschy and right. very Hobby Lobby. That, that's journal, an like, artist diaries. thing though, is then once you see something yeah. and you're like an artist and you're like, yeah, no, I, I can't have that on my... Yeah, exactly. No way. That does not fit my vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I can't touch that. Well, and just no one was nailing the ideal plant journal. So I sat down for a year. Just, I didn't make it. I sat down for a year and I made mock-ups and I thought, what could I use in a plant journal? I was like, it's got to have these things. Uh, and I and so I, I finally put it together and then it was right before the pandemic really hit. I was like, Screw it. I'm going to do the Kickstarter. And I launched it. It was fully funded in like the first 30 minutes or something like that. Holy um, wow. And I was like, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? And it, it kept going. And on the Kickstarter, we sold like uh, 1,200 copies. And, and then, you know, we had the post office debacle. And so I, I lo- and the post office lost like 300 of my journals. So I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And uh but then I, I started having more and more demand. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to buy more. And I think to date, we've sold around 6,000 copies just like on my own, just here in the lab, like like ordering pallets and pallets and lifting them and dragging them into the building and then hand packing them and shipping them out. Um, and the momentum doesn't seem to be stopping because everyone, I, I guess somehow... I had made or designed, like put together the perfect thing because everyone, so far from my part, everyone loves it. And I was like, well, that's good because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Fully funded in 30 minutes. Sounds like you did something right. Yeah. yeah. But I do, I do understand. I, so. I do understand his whole, uh, because you did something deemed as successful by society, you therefore know what you're doing, which isn't necessarily the case. And oftentimes those don't go hand in right, hand. You stumble into it. Yeah. A lot of you the time. can, you can become very successful by stumbling every step you take. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's good. We'll, we'll address the fact that uh, when we get to the end here, your least favorite plant. And the last question that we always ask all of our podcast guests, your most embarrassing plant story, because just that, we say it every podcast, but people will assume that because you're a quote unquote expert, um, that you don't make mistakes or that there aren't things that you've learned the hard way. Um, and that's just not the case. But before we get there real quick, I do have one specific question on, um, you said you were working on hybridizing new plants and stuff. And obviously this is the every plant story podcast. Um, my, 
heart behind what we're doing in 2021 as Gabriella Plant is trying to find more ways of communicating the stories, um, not only of like the childhood of the plant, but also telling the stories of the people involved in the processes and also all the other growers that aren't necessarily um, in a direct-to-consumer type of uh, setup, but they would have some amazing, you know, tips and tricks to share with yeah and insights with people who um are plant passionate people but when it comes to your plant interests and i I know that it went off and on and to be honest that whole time you were describing that i felt myself in that i mean sam when we first met um and when i was in college all i did was vegetable garden and i didn't have really any plants inside and then right i I mean the first like two years i knew you i didn't even know the the greenhouse was a thing until one day you're like hey do you want to see my dad's spot like yeah there's a there's a big greenhouse if you want to check it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so kind of twofold to you tyler it was there a particular plant that got you interested in like really being a grower because i mean obviously it sounds like you've always been a plant appreciator someone right. who appreciates plants but mm. uh what was the thing that got you into wanting to to grow yeah so my first my first plant i i had got myself after college, I went to this little nursery here in Tulsa called Southwood. And Southwood has been, has honestly done me really, really well, uh, which I can get into my mon- my variegated monstera here in a second. But uh, I walked in this nursery and they had this huge succulent table. And I'd mentioned like, I was used to geraniums and ferns and, and you know, all those old school sort of like 70s plants. And I wasn't really familiar with succulents. And so I walked in and they had a crashula perforata, which is this um, stacking succulent where the leaves look almost like diamond shaped and they, they alternate. So they alternate directions and it looks like a tower of like little diamonds. And I saw this and I was like, this is like no plant I have ever seen. It's geometric. It's, it's patterned. And, you know, you don't see plants like that really. And I was like, this thing is really cool. So I bought one. And then uh, what got me into growing is I had this at my house at the time. And I think a cat or somebody, or maybe me, like knocked, like knocked it over and it snapped in half. And I was like, oh, I was like so bummed out because I had grown it for like five months. And I was like, oh, it's growing. And it snapped in half. And I, I was like, I don't know what to do with this now. I'm really bummed out. So I threw away the top half. I, for some reason, thought it was a goner. And about a month later, I noticed three heads growing out of the central stem. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's happening? And I looked at it and I was like, it's growing, it's alive. And a month later, it split into three heads. And then I did some research. I was like, wait, I can make more plants from this one plant. Um, And so I took some cuttings, they rooted and I ended up making like 30 plants from this one plant over two years. And for me, that did it. I was like, this is cool as hell. And, uh, uh, and then what happened next was really fun. Uh, one of the cuttings I had, I, was, I, took, uh, I took a top cutting. And about a month later, this is when we finally moved into uh, our first house that came with a little tiny hobby greenhouse. And I, I went out to the greenhouse one day and still had my first succulent. And I was looking at it and the leaves weren't growing in the flat diamond shape that I was expecting. They were actually growing in a cup shape, 
like the leaves had inverted and they they looked like little like wine glasses. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell is happening here? I did, I did months of research. And I was like, what's happening? What's happening? And I found one other instance where someone's crassula that they were propagating mutated and formed cupped leaves. But there was nothing on it. There were no cultivars with, uh, with this description. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, not only can you propagate plants, but there's a small chance that the genes will initiate a mutation that may benefit the plant and you never know when it's going to happen because you don't speak plants and you're not living in the cellular network of the plant. So although it would be cool. Although it would be cool if you could. Yeah. As much as you'd like to. Or chaotic. I can't tell. (laughs) But uh, I watched this mutation happen in front of me and that this one plant not only facilitated my curiosity and succulents, um, but it opened my mind up to the world of cultivation and cultivars and how mutations of cultivars arise. And it's usually randomly. And this blew my mind. I was like, Oh my God, I, I can't, not only can I propagate and grow plants, but there's a small chance the universe will reward me for perpetuating the plant by giving me some crazy, beautiful mutation and that's when I started getting into hybridizing and making new plants. It was all from this one crashula perforata that has done a lot for my curiosity uh, over the last, you know, five or six years. That's awesome. Now, that man, that is just <laughs> I. I love when we were discussing before we started recording this. I was telling them like, yeah, I, I, I could think of ways to talk to Tyler for hours and that story is beautiful and it, it is a part of your plant story um, in the sense that yeah it's, everyone has the thing that sparked right, their the curiosity moment, right. and I do think that Tyler mm-hmm. brings up a really common one that I think doesn't get talked about a lot and it doesn't even matter if it mutates or not for the, what I'm saying is that some of the most joy you can get in the plant world is being able to take the one plant that you have successfully turn that into two and then not only to do that but then to see take that one step further to see that second plant now that you were able to create with the one that you purchased go to somebody else who appreciates it and wants Mm -hmm. to do that same process of taking letting it grow for six months and then dividing it and giving it to their friend and like the the sharing that happens because people realize, oh yeah, propagation does kind of work like this. You take one plant and then the plant does a bunch of plant things and you end up with more, more plants. plants. <laughs> like, and, and that realization for people is always big. Is there a particular plant, Tyler, that you have seen impact your art or your art impacting what impacts more? Right. I guess, how Sam? They, how yeah, they like, inform each other. Yeah. Is it, or how is your weeks broken up? What are you, right. how are you uh, balancing the fact that in some ways, you know, your, your crystal art and other things are right. a different process, I would imagine, than a lot of the other, you know, plant experimentation. What, what do you like yeah. more? What are you doing right now? Well, so I think I do a lot of different things. And I think one of the common uh, factors in the in everything I do is the unknown, the the sort of spontaneity of nature and science and chemistry. So I don't necessarily have plants that inspire my art, and, I, and my art doesn't really inspire plants. But what what the two have in common, say with like you know my crystallized insects, 
how the crystals grow is completely random. Uh, I understand the science behind it and I can help facilitate that growth. But what the piece will look like in the end is completely up to the molecular geometry and sort of the thermodynamics of the solution that produces the crystals. Where this connects with plants is with, say, my variegated monstera, which I talk about all the time because it lines up where uh, my variegated monstera that I'm cultivating, all the leaves are completely random. None of the patterns are the exact same. It's not a stable mutation. It, it kind of, the plant just does whatever it wants. So each time a new leaf on my monstera unfurls, when I finally get to see what it looks like in the pattern, it's the same thrill and the same feeling I get when I pull a crystallized cicada out of a bat. You know, I, I understand the science behind how variegation happens and the science behind it. I understand the science behind growing crystals, but it's the visual, uh, sort of the visual uh, effect, the, the visual product that does little for science. It's just kind of like a byproduct. And that is what I live for is what will this leaf come out like? What's it going to look like? And what will these crystals look like when I pull them out? And that's what keeps my curiosity going is knowing that each, uh, each test, each leaf, each bat will produce a unique experience um, that may spark my curiosity further. And that's, I think, across the board with most of my art and what I do, even when it comes down to like hunting for caves and trying to explore new caves, it's always what will I find on the other end? And it's usually kind of close to what I expected, but every now and then I'm thrown this boomerang that just completely catches me off guard. And those are the ones that, that keep me creating and growing. Yeah. And it's definitely like uh, the art of the chase is definitely, or the fun in the chase is right. definitely part of even, uh, not only is it fun to watch the process and I totally understand what you mean by like, you don't know how it's going to turn out. You know, we could plant a lot of plants all in the same week. And in theory, they're fairly stable. You know, they should all grow at the same time, but they are right. plants and they're all individualized and you get that uniqueness out of each one. Um, when, obviously you mentioned your your podcast, Greenhouse Rants. I wanted to quickly just ask any plans for that in the future? Yeah. So um, what's funny is I was on a roll and then, Last year, last year happened, and um, I joked a lot on my podcast. I, I always, I love the, the the fact that I recorded it in a greenhouse and kept all the ambient noise. And so, usually, yep, the roosters uh, or the chickens or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the listeners were in this environment with me. So if it started hailing, they would all of a sudden listen to me screaming while the glass was shattering around me or, or if a bumblebee like came up to the microphone That's um, an experience. or the rooster, the fucking, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. That damn rooster. <laughs> but uh, one thing I talked about was I did, we didn't live in a very safe neighborhood. So I always joked about the neighborhood lurkers. And that was because there were several moments where I would be recording and I would hear someone shouting or like fighting with somebody outside. And I'd be like, Oh my God, what's happening. And there were countless moments of like that. And so we ended up moving uh, to a new house, a safer location. And I didn't have a greenhouse, um, but I am having one built now. And so the plan is once that's done and built, get back to deliver to my new home. Yeah. And it's called green, like my wife, Molly, she's like, 
you know you can you don't have to record this in a greenhouse. And I was like, yes, I do. And she was like, no, you literally like it's your podcast. You can go record it in the garage, or you can go record it in the bedroom, or at your lab. And I was like, babe, it's not called bedroom rant. It's not called lab rant. It's not called garage rant. It's like those are all three different podcasts. It's called greenhouse. It's in the it's, name. I get her point. It's all our. But I have to. So and plus, it's been a nice break. Like. I was able to step away and kind of focus on my own mental health and things were getting really dark, uh, you know? And so one thing I try to do on the podcast is talk about plants, talk about science, talk about curiosity, talk about existential dread. That was always a theme was like things that were existential and daunting, but then have this positive, very human approach to it. Cause I know I'm not alone in a lot of my own depression and existential, you know, like, wait and so when it got really dark last year i was like i can't get on a podcast i was like it will be the most if i'm going to be honest if i were to record a podcast in 2020 it would be very depressing i was like i can't have that it's got to be uplifting and it's got to be honest and wholesome and right now people don't want to hear how i really feel right now so i kind of like dialed it back until um i sort of got my own mental health um under control and in a better place so this February, I'm really looking forward to the new greenhouse and a whole new season of crazy things and ideas and, and rants, things that frustrate me, things that inspire me, um, all of it. Awesome. Well, I, I know I will be waiting to uh, to listen to the new episodes because that was always something I really liked because I, I think you described it well. It, it was always a balance of what work had been done or what like concepts were being trialed or you know whatever was going on in the greenhouse in that sense, but then also your ability to connect that to, you know, whether it's how people in chat when you were doing them on the live, you know, live on Instagram in the past and things like that. Um, Just the way you interact with the community is so genuine. And I think that that, that, you know, communicates very well to everyone. Um, Before we get to the last two closing questions, one last question on just like you and being um, who you are as a part of the plant community. Um, Actually, I'm going to, two things. One, is there anything that you think the plant community should know from your perspective for 2021? And then also, um, obviously, I don't know how much you want to go into it, but um, it's always fun getting to watch your content, uh, especially with your son, and to see um, some of the, the the curiosity being sparked in that. Obviously, at that age, you know, they're just trying to be interested in everything for about 10 seconds at a time. I, right. Or for yeah. what I'm told, <laughs> right. I, I don't have any children. Uh, that's just what I've been told. So, but what do you, how do you view the way that you're leaving a legacy? What, what do you want the plant community to know in 2021? And what do you, what is your perspective on leaving that family legacy? Because you would also be another, I'm third generation grower in my family. You know, you, I guess, looking at you, you have the opportunity um, for that as well. Is that a part of, of your parenting is, is teaching that same cultivation, that same mind towards growth that you have? Damn. Damn. Well, that's a quite, uh, okay. So I'm going to let that second question stew in my brain for a minute while I answer the first one. Um, but, you know, things I would want the plant community to know. Uh, there are a lot of people getting into plants. And my favorite people are new growers um, because they come in with curiosity and they're going to, they're going to screw up a lot. And I love that because those are the moments where you learn the most. Um, And there's all these new people. So there's all these new approaches 
toward growing. Um, and so one of the things I would like the plant community to know, especially if you're new, is don't be discouraged by the current like crazy, crazy price gouging that's been happening. Um, it's been very discouraging for a lot of people to see plants that were once $30 now being sold for four to $5,000. It's not normal. And I think going into this year, we're going to see a lot of efforts to share cuttings and propagate together rather than sort of taking advantage of one another. Um, and that's kind of the main conversation right now for some growers who are actively taking advantage of a more um, sort of not in a bad way, but naive new grower and new community. Um, I would say, don't let that discourage you. I think going into this year, we're going to see a lot of people sharing their cuttings um, and making and sort of coming out of the like the pandemic plant craze where people were just gouging prices and selling little rooty rotting nodes and stuff like that. That's not the norm. That's not the standard in the plant community. And so I don't want anyone who's coming into this to be discouraged by that. It's only temporary. Yeah. Um, and, also, and growers are also know, trying I, to, I mean, the growers that are trying to make it a career, like commercial growers, they're in it for the long haul. It's their career, you know, and there's a lot of, I guess there's a lot of patience goes a long way because I feel for both the growers and, and that's kind of different than sellers in some senses. Um, but that because of the prices that things go for on, on eBay and stuff, if you are mm -hmm. the person trying to give everyone the deal, you're also penalized by your site crashing and by you being overwhelmed. So it's kind of this like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of this give and take constantly where, you know, as long as there's, and it's not a plant thing. I've said it before in like our, our behind the scenes group and stuff, but it's happening right now. COVID, COVID ca is causing that to lots of things, graphics cards, computer components, anything with an inner, you know, with oh. either a international supply chain or with a production timeline that takes longer than six months, you're just always going to have those, you know, excesses and needs, and they're never going to perfectly balance out. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I think right now the standard isn't going to last very long. And I would, I would tell people like, if there's a plant you really want, just if you can afford to wait a year or two, that plant will be tissue cultured. If it's selling for thousands, you would be really dumb to not think that every single tissue culture nursery and lab right now is not trying to make thousands of those. And once you hit that, those numbers, it's exponential and eventually the prices will crash back down. So what you're seeing now is not the standard. It's a freak, weird sort of, I think, toxic thing that's happening. Um, and it's, it's really adding this like, poison to the plant community where people are acting in a way that's not good for community um, ideology. And so I, I think if you're discouraged by the prices going into this year, just wait. Maybe you have a friend that you can trade cuttings with, but I don't necessarily know if I would encourage people to get by into this market because the prices will not sustain themselves. Like you will be upside down and no one will sell you a healthy, no one's selling healthy plants for ridiculous prices anyways unrooted cuttings and what people are now calling chonks, which I call wet sticks, which has been taken ironically as being used as a marketing term. So I, don't, <laughs> I just would say. Start trademarking every idea you come up yeah, with. Right, exactly. Sell it to them. <laughs> and they're turning it against me, which I think is hilarious. But um, I would say if we can afford to share cuttings 
and, and, and trade, that's what makes a plant community. Because also we got to recognize that none of these plants would be in our collections if it wasn't for poaching and colonization. Realistically, the reason we have any of these plants is largely because somebody went into a habitat and ripped them from the ground. And so we got to also address the origins of plants and just... Just, I'd say, wait, simmer down. Everything will come back down to a reasonable price. Yeah, um, I think I, th- really you get your hands on it. I think that's true. I also think that, like, for there's always that give and take because obviously we need to preserve the planet that we live on, but at the same time, the we also have portions of the plant community that um, don't believe in the process of tissue culture and some of these other ways of being able to bring plants to market so it you know you kind of have to i want to say trust the science but trust the science in the sense that the only way we're going to be able to mass share some of these plants is with various and maybe even methods we don't know right now but various ways of propagating what we already have instead of like you're saying because of its value especially now going out and trying to you know really rob the planet of mm-hmm. that species and its natural right. habitat. And, and yeah, trying to yeah, and monopolize it. And, and like you're saying, then price gouge people for it. Cause you got your hands on it before somebody else could. Yeah. And I think there are two things, tiny little sudden notes on that is there's nothing wrong with tissue culture. If you see anyone, you know, discrediting tissue culture, it's because they're afraid that the mass growth and propagation of the plant's cellular tissue they're afraid those numbers will crash theirs out. And it's probably because they bought a plant for $3,000 and they're trying to turn a profit. So tissue culture is a huge enemy to price gouging. And so you see things like tissue, cult- tissue culture plants are weaker or more stunted. And that's not, that's not a scientific truth at all. I mean, they're weaker because they're juvenile, but that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, but people think that the mature plant you know, is, is weaker. And I was like, well, yes, if you tissue culture a sick plant, then yes, you, or tissue culture a weak plant, then you're going to have that. So the, the tissue culture myths, that's all, those are all just fear tactics to keep the prices where they are now. Scientifically, tissue culture is a wonderful thing. It's a way for us to take an endangered plant and bring it back to sustainable numbers. There's nothing wrong with it. And I would encourage everyone to educate themselves on it and learn about it because it's it's how we counter coaching and it's how we will save an entire species of the science of tissue culture. Yeah. Um, and the way that I so always explain whenever somebody asks me, especially when we would do like greenhouse tours back before COVID, we, you know, had events at the greenhouses, I would always explain tissue culture just to kind of demystify it. Like you're saying, like it, it's still plants doing the plant thing. It is, they are still in charge. They still have their DNA codes and they are still doing the same process that they would if you trimmed a wet stick and, you know what I mean? And stuck it in in (laughs) some moisture. Like it's the same process. The plant is doing the same process. Mm. You're just using chemicals in a a controlled environment to be able to do it reliably. Replicate it. Yeah. And at scale. And, you know, but otherwise it's still just propagation. So that, that's a good, that's a good note. The other thing uh, was any, uh, your thoughts on passing down these types of perspectives Mm. to the next generation of growers. Well, yeah. So like you mentioned uh, my son, Nova, um, and I, I mean, my dad was a grower. I'm a grower. 
kind of, you know, I don't have a huge operation. I do hope to have and build a large conservatory here in Tulsa where I can showcase some of the planets, just craziest, most beautiful plants, in my opinion. Um, that is a long-term dream of mine. Whether or not Nova takes that over, there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're going to need I, you're going to need the parenting. exit through the gift shop manager while he's in high school exactly. first, <laughs> and then you know once he gets once he's graduated, then you know you can talk about the whole. I, I just bought a business from my dad, so <laughs> I understand the uh, passing yeah. it down. But you got to have the high school job first, where he can uh, you know work the concession stands right. at the gift shop or whatever. Yeah, and and so for me, I'm thinking if there's anything I want to show Nova, it's not how to grow plants, how to grow crystals, or anything like that. I will show him all those things. And it's because I honestly think I have the craziest, most fun job currently. But uh, what I want to show him is to stay curious. And if something comes in his orbit of curiosity, snatch it up, crack it open and see what that is about. What in your brain, what in your body, in your soul is calling you to uh, find that spark in something. And and that's, uh, I, don't, I don't know my type of parenting I want to do is to encourage that. If something excites you, good. What is it? Let's do it. You know, if he goes between 20 things in a given year as he's growing, I'll, I'll be there by his side to look at and understand all of them. And he may even show me some things that might excite me. But that's one thing I want to show him is that life is exciting. Growing up is exciting and the world is exciting. And that doesn't end. You know, we were often shown as you get older, that sort of that sort of like drains away or it, it dwindles that life gets less and there's less to learn. There's, there's as much to learn as you're willing to observe. And that's what I'm going to show him. His life is literally as exciting as you allow it to be. So that's awesome. That's I what I'm going to pass down. If he wants to, you know, if he wants to have the conservatory, fine. If he wants to have a whole treasure trove of crystallized dead buds, fine. But the one thing I want to pass down to him is that life can remain and is by default exciting. Don't let another single person tell you otherwise. Yeah. That's life so can, the, the Truths from Tyler. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I, I mean, so we, have the two, right we have the two questions we have to ask every podcast guest, but I just want to like, can we all just like we put gotta, our headphones down and walk out of the room? Because that, that. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, just go ahead and drop the mic for us. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was pretty good. No, but it, it's true. And like the whole time... The whole time you were saying that, though, I, the word that was coming to my mind, Sam, was just like, in a way, cultivating your family right. and putting that effort into, Definitely. you know, growing them, it, like you're saying, in, in large part by demonstrating that the world is an infinite mm-hmm. amount of things to learn about. Definitely. Um, but it, yeah. it is its own cultivation because in the same way that TC little baby plants are doing their, ba- you know doing their growing thing, they know what to do. I mean, children, physically speaking, right. organs and things are growing, whether we, you know, are involved or not, are, are uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the greatest, I can imagine, um, fun thing that I look forward to when I have a kid is being able to, like, yeah, see that light bulb go off or that, like, but why? Um, even, like, the other day, mm-hmm. just it came to mind just now, but the other day I saw for the first time, I'm assuming it was the first time he figured it out or it's his fascination, but probably, like, little four-year-old boy, totally fascinated with how the Lowe's automatic door opener worked. <laughs> like, his mom was trying to, like, local pick up an order, and he was, like, kind of figuring out that if he took one more step, 
kind of towards the middle, then it would open. And, you know, it was, it was just, it was cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a weird little tiny example, but it it is cool to see those, that, that learning process. And, and it also is happening to plenty of people who are older, um, in age, um, more experienced in life than, you know, the people here. Um, but it's their first time with plants. It's the first time they had that pest problem. Mm-hmm. It's that first time they need to dive deep and learn about funguses and, and you know how to identify things like that. So there's always something to dive deeper on. That being said, the two questions that I have made it a point to ask every single podcast guest because I don't can't remember a live stream I ever did where people didn't ask these two questions, um, or at least the least favorite plant one. Um, and it always comes in a pair. And I think that these questions also um, go back to humbling, uh, regardless of who the you know guest or or how we're viewed as experts. Even us at Gabriella Plants, viewed as professionals in what we do, we all make mistakes. So, least two questions, and what we can end on this: least favorite plant currently, or most overrated thing in your mind, and then your most embarrassing plant story. Oh man. Oh, my least favorite plant. My least favorite plant, and I, I, I can't be me without being a little bitter. Uh, my least favorite plant right now is the, uh, I think it has to be the variegated Adensonii, um, the Munster Adensonii. And that's yeah. simply because I've had three opportunities to get one in my collection, and three different growers ripped me off to get in trades to get that plant. And that plant to me has become a symbol of uh, toxic growers. It's kind of become the status symbol, like the toxic Kardashian of uh, (laughs) the plant community. So I kind of loathe that plant for what it did. It kind of sparked this um, vampiric, vultury plant mentality. So it's one of the most overrated. It's beautiful, but I'm I'm at a period where I kind of hate what. And it's not the plant that did this, it's the people, but I kind of hate the symbiotic relationship this plant has with the plant community. Yeah, but Georgia is- Wilson, last last week, her, her least favorite plant was Spirit of Sancti for the same reason of just, like, to summarize the mm-hmm. effect that that particular species had on the community slash the market overall. So, I can completely mm-hmm. see that with... Um, the variegated ad- Adansonii, and especially because when you get, especially if you have one that's variegated enough, like you're producing mm. what a node every six weeks, right. like if you're lucky, maybe every two months, you know. So yeah. you're not. It, it's also going to take a really long time for you to recognize that you got a bad deal, um, or that your environment wasn't good enough to maintain the variegation right. or something, and you don't have as nearly as many. Uh, you know, like a time window to correct right. anything that goes wrong. And I yeah. do think I, I, it, it hurts my heart. I'm sure it hurts your heart too, Tyler, when you see somebody who's like, yep, so I just got my first two golden pothos baskets um, and and look at this cute palm. And yeah, I just bought a $750 plant uh, on eBay. I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> risky. yeah, you do yeah. you. But like even me, I, I, I don't know the spirit of sanctity. Why? I don't want to lose right. <laughs> uh, a plant that, that that's that valuable. Um, with that, I, I so that all being said, I accept his least favorite plant. That is a, a, a good one. What is your most embarrassing <laughs> plant story? Oh, God. My most embarrassing plant 
story. See, like we said last week, Sam, this is this is the point where he thought it was all going yeah. well. He's all like, man, the these guys, questions yeah, these guys really now. care. Like, they obviously listen to the pod, everything, and then we're like, tell us your most embarrassing client yeah. story. Right at the end, it's a gotcha every time. Okay, so this, yeah, <laughs> I gotta really think on this. Um, most embarrassing plant story. Um, this is my most embarrassing plant story. So when I was about a few years ago, when I was really getting into variegated plants, uh, I went and visited this massive greenhouse in Colorado, and uh, this guy who was selling his whole collection. Um, he had a table of variegated cacti, and I had saw I had seen a variegated uh, saguaro, and you know the saguaro is like a forty foot tall cactus, um, absolutely massive. And I I freaked out. I bought it, and I did a lot of research. And I was like, oh my god, is this really rare? And this was before the rare plant market took off, and I couldn't find anything about a variegated saguaro. So I reached out to a couple of growers, and I had one grower who enthusiastically told me what you have is one of a kind. And he was like the Asian plant market for variegated cacti right now is blowing up and there are millionaires buying crazy plants. And he told me, he's like, you could list this for like $150,000 and me being like 24 and like, Oh my God. Oh my, I was freaking out. So I listed it on eBay for that price. And it turns out the guy was pulling my leg and completely pranked me. Um, (laughs) And so I had a, I had a bunch of growers message me and they're like, are you out of your mind? I was like, no, am I? And they're like, dude, that's not worth that. And they're like, maybe a hundredth of that. Maybe you could get like maybe a thousand dollars for that if someone wants it. And I was like, what? And the, I messaged the guy and he was like, dude, no, of course not. No one's going to pay that. <laughs> so that to me was my first step into like, oh, wow. Now I don't know. People are paying 30 grand for a quote unquote mint monster. I'm like, now there's no rules, but right. that was my and first step into the quote unquote. That, that's always like crazy to me. Like, cause I'm always somebody who, who tries to see things from like a perspective, even if it's completely outside of our company or completely outside of how I would normally view it. But like that, double check that like I would do instinctively is like $30,000, $30,000 brand new car, probably two of them. Yep. In fact, right. you know what I mean? Right. Like probably yeah. two new cars or house. Right. Uh, yeah. what, what else could I spend 30 grand on? Yeah. That's a, that, that's not a, you know, that's a, pr- that's a full remodel. Right. You know, that's, that's, that list pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. Well, you know, it's been awesome yeah. getting to uh, to chat with you. We could we could have you on the podcast or have you on the team every week. You are a great resource to the plant community. Where where can people find more about you. you? How can they support you better? Yeah, uh, Instagram uh, Tyler Thrasher Art or um, uh, my website TylerThrasher.com is where I put like all my podcasts, my art, upcoming shows, um, every, everything I'm doing. You can find on tylerthrasher.com. Perfect. And as we have talked in DMs previously, you are always welcome when when we are through 
um, having to protect ourselves yeah. and our families and stuff, um, you are always more than welcome to come rant in our greenhouse. Oh yeah. Uh, we have some extra podcast equipment, go figure. Um, so we could actually help you out with that side. Um, and we'd love to have you around and get to show you around. The whole team really appreciates all, um, that you've done and pouring in, um, such a great heart, I think is a good way to summarize it, definitely. Sam, like just a great heart yeah. behind what, right he does and definitely like something that you're seeing more and more at the center of the plant community which yeah. is really great to see so many people that have that heart yeah exactly the heart is the heart is what it's all about for sure and like you said sharing propagating more sharing right. it with your friends um and continuing to cultivate that love and appreciation for plants with others and that's kind of the point of this podcast and we really appreciate you tyler for coming on and telling your plant story Thanks for having me. It's, it's a blast to finally get to speak to you or at least to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we will talk to you again soon. Cool. Take care. So, yeah, Sam, that was uh, quite the interview. Oh, I yeah. mean, we, I, that had been one of the things I'd been keeping under my, you know, under my own wrap for a little while um when i first reached out to tyler to say um yeah you should totally come on this every plant story podcast i can't think of a better person who has been not only instrumental in being like a public image sharing his story but through the grow a damn plant journal and other things i mean tyler has been actively teaching and helping cultivate growth within the plant community for quite some time so it was really really cool to have him on the podcast right yeah it's kind of that perfect intersection of what we've been talking about on here you know what i mean that that intersection of a a passion for plants and a passion for educating and sharing that story so yeah definitely really cool and with that thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the every plant story podcast you can find more information about our guest tyler thrasher at tylerthrasher.com and also in the podcast show notes below. And we will see you guys next week.